Welcome. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Well, it's great to be back on this platform with you guys today. How many of you guys liked At The Movies last month? You guys like that? Wasn't that a great series? I think we're going to keep doing that series. It's such a fun thing. And so thanks for being a part. And thank you for bringing your friends and your family to church all through that series, we actually had an all-time high in the history of our church, non-holiday high, of 14,000 people in church because you brought your friends. Thank you for doing that. That's incredible. Do you understand that high attendance in summer doesn't normally go together? I mean, that's totally crazy. So again, just thanks for that. God's really moving powerfully. And I want to stop and just say, I want to acknowledge that it is God doing that. God is so good and we're so grateful for him. And I just want to say, Lord, I love you and I thank you for your faithfulness to us. We're so blessed and so great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us for a brand new series called The School of Hard Knocks. I am an alma mater of this school. How many, else, how many people feel like you're a part of the School of Hard Knocks yourself? You've been through some things and I understand that. I think we've all experienced some hard knocks in our lives. Pull out your notes if you would. I want to give you some things to write down today. Again, thanks for being here. If you're visiting with us, I want to say you're a special guest today. Thank you for being at church with us today and we hope you come back and see us again. You only have to come once to be a regular around here, so come on back. We'd love to have you guys. And before you think, oh man, the wall are going to cave in on me. You don't know all the stuff I've done. You don't know all the stuff we've done. Okay, so we're just glad we're all here. We'll just, we'll just, I'll keep our secrets. How's that sound? We'll just do that, right? Now, the truth is we're all humans. We all have issues. None of us are, are, are clear of that at all. And so that's why God's grace is needed. And so we're just glad you guys are here. Let me just say right now, you look around the church, there are people that used to sleep around and do drugs and party and go to clubs and bars and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I'm just describing our staff. I'm telling you right now, this church... <laughs> is a place of grace. So we're glad you guys are here. So thanks for joining us today. There was a guy in the Bible who dealt with all kinds of problems. I mean, all kinds of crazy problems. We're going to unpack his, his story a little bit today. Before we do that, let's say a mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. There's this guy in the Bible. His name was Paul. Paul was one of these guys that God radically changed his life. And when he was radically changed, you would think now that God's in his life, doing great things in his life, he wouldn't have problems anymore, right? Because isn't that part of the deal that if you just love God and you're sincere in your faith and you go to church and you try to help out people and you pay your taxes and you're honest, doesn't that mean that all the problems that you would have had, God removes? But that's not how it works. The Bible does not ever promise to take away our problems but God promises to be with us through our problems. And so as we talk about today, I wanna to encourage you to understand that you're gonna take some knocks. You're gonna get hit in life. Just like the hits we saw on the screen a few moments ago, you're gonna take some hard hits in your life. And maybe God brought you here today because you're in the middle of one of those hits. Maybe you're going through a real big difficulty in your relationships. Maybe you've taken a hit at work. Maybe you've had a major downsize financially. I don't know what it is that you may be going through, but we all go through hits in our lives and have difficulties. So let's look at some scripture on this today. Looking at 2 Corinthians 4. We're just going to go through this verse by verse, by the way, because God gives us a great prescription on how to deal with a big hit. It says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. What does that mean, by the way? That means that we have a problem we can't figure out the solution to. Anyone ever, anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, man, I got this problem. I just don't know what to do about this or about him or her or about this situation, right? I just don't know what to do, right? I have a problem. I'm perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Then it goes on to say something very interesting. It says, yet we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. What did you say? Did you say because you love God? Because you have a sincere faith? Because you go to church? Because you believe in Jesus? Because you're a person of prayer? Because of that, you go through problems? That's what the Bible says. I mean, we, we, we thought we signed up like, if I love Jesus and all the problems go away. No, because you love Jesus, problems enter your life. Because there's an enemy that doesn't want you to serve the Lord. So he wants to pop you. He wants to knock you down. He wants to hit you hard in the hopes that you'll become so disoriented that you'll forget what God called you to do with your life. So you're going to take some hits. And by the way, the bigger the hits, the bigger the promises of God are for you, for you and your life. That's how that works. And so if you want to write this down, please, how can this happen to me? I'm a Christian. I love God. You're hit maybe because you're a Christian. Now look what it goes on to say. It says, so that, so here's the reason behind the hit, right? So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. So he says, why do you take the hits? So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our in our dying bodies. Now, but you, I know my body is clearly dying. I'm very aware of it because my chest is now at my drawers. You know what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> chest or drawers disease. So I have the full dad bod. I'm fighting dad bod as much as I can, but I'm losing the battle. But I'll just tell you this. I'm aware my body is dying, right? So we're aware every day. And if you don't know this, I hate to break it to you, but I can, you, I can save you from having to go by the doctor. I'll just tell you, you're dying. You are. All of us are. Have you seen the stats on death? They're terrifying. 100 out of 100 people die. It's crazy. So we are dying, so then we need to choose how we live. We should live as if we're dying every day. And so according to Scripture, you need to know that, that problems that you deal with remind you that life is short. It's, it's a good reminder of that. And so what I want to encourage you with this is, is, is this. Write this down. Would you, there is purpose in the hit you took. And by the way, the higher you go, the bigger the hits. The higher you go, the bigger the hits. You think you got hit hard in junior high football? Try high school. You think you got hit hard in high school? Try college. You think college hits hard? <laughs> Try the NFL. And so it's just, it gets worse and worse, right? The higher you go, the bigger the hits. And so the good news is that means that when you get hit really hard, you can't explain it. That means you're about to go higher. God uses those hits in your life in a powerful way. So how, to, how do you respond to a hit? Is there a way to respond? Does God have a prescription for since we're going to deal with difficulties in our life, is there a way to respond to getting hit hard? And there really is. And so, you know, we're kind of using this football theme. And so I'm going to continue with that. So forgive me, ladies, if you're not into football. Some ladies are more into football than men, so I don't want to just stereotype here. But, but not all ladies are. My wife is not into football. In fact, if I get her to sit down in the football game, it's because I start talking about a specific player and about their life, and then she's interested. You know, that's kind of, she's interested in like the drama behind it more than the actual <laughs> game. So I'm like, that guy's married to so-and-so, and he's a Christian. Oh, really? Oh, which one is he again? You know, all of a sudden she's interested in the game. That's kind of how I pull her in. But yeah, but there, hey, there's some ladies who know a lot more about the game than I do, so I'm not trying to stereotype. But, but you know, I, I want to use this theme because I think it's something that pulls us all in. One of the great things about sports is that um, it, has, it has a clear set of rules. There's a winner and a loser at the end. And I think that draws all the people to it because of that and because we don't know how it's going to turn out. In the same way, we don't always know how life's going to turn out either. And so we have to learn, though, that one of the things you need to understand about every professional football player there is on the planet is that they all have to learn to play with injury. 
If you are going to succeed in life, you have to learn to stay in the game while injured. Just because you get hurt doesn't mean you're done. Does that make sense? Look at the apostle Paul says. He says, but we continue to preach. I love that. Paul was a preacher, so he says, hey, you know, I'm going through all this. I got hit, I got knocked down, I got thrown into jail, I got beaten, I got all this kind of stuff he went through. He says, but I continue to preach. <laughs> what? Most people say, you know, I was going to preach today, but after that last night, I mean, after that betrayal I went through, after that difficulty, I'm just going to take a break. Not Paul. He's like, oh, no, that's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants me to get tired and exhausted and worn out and begin to say, what's the use and what's the point in this? And everyone's going to turn on me and why am I going to stick with it? I'm not going to give in to all that. I'm going to keep preaching. See, what the enemy wants is for you to play victim rather than to be the victor that Jesus clearly says you are. So we have to make a decision today. And so forgive me for not being patient with you. Forgive me for not bringing a lot of compassion today, but I believe God brought me here today to say, get your butt up and get going in life because life is too short. So you got hit. So you got hit, so you took a hit. We all take a hit, we all go through difficulties. You think that's new? Oh, well, I went through a divorce. Oh yeah, no one has ever been through that before. Oh, but I lost my job. Well, it's never happened to anyone else. I mean, forgive me for, for, for being a little crass and cold today, but you know, the people who are just loving on you and, and wrapping their arms around you and encouraging you and crying with you, that's great, but that's a season. There's a season when you mourn. There's a season when you have to go. There's a season to get going again. And so if you want God to use you in a great way, if you want your life to count, if you want to be effective, then you've got to learn that you take a hit and you get up again and you keep going. And so he says, so I continue to preach. Number one, would you write this down? If you get hit, stay in the game or get off the field for no more than one play. They actually now in the NFL require that if your helmet pops off, you get hit so hard your helmet flies off that you actually have to leave the game for at least one play. But it's interesting to watch so many guys, they get over on the sidelines, they grab their helmet and they're putting it all back together and they put it on their leg and they're looking at the coach and they're basically telling the coach, get me back in, get me back in. You know what that player's thinking? He's such a competitor, he's thinking, I know who hit me and I'm gonna get back in the game and I'm gonna hit him harder. That, that's how they think. They think differently. Competitors think differently than you and I. We think, oh, that really hurt. That was a really bad hit. Not them. They're like, oh, it's, oh, it's on. I know who did that. And I will hit them as hard as I can in the confines of the game, but they're going out. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to let them know, you don't do that to me. And so they go back in the game and that's what they do. And so that's the way a competitor works. And so stay in the game or get off the field for no more than one play. Some of you right now are thinking, you don't understand, Pastor. I, I've, I've been seriously injured. I've really taken a hit. Well, those who are seriously injured, that are literally injured, like, I mean, they break an ankle, right? They tear an ACL or an NCL. You know, at that point, what do they do? Well, they got to go, they got to stay out a couple games minimum, sometimes a whole season. But I, I got news for you. They're working harder to get healed than they were when they were healthy. See, the problem is, is that we believe as, as Christians that because God loves us and we know he'll have compassion on us, that that means we can sit around. But the truth is, is that life is short. And so quit wasting your life. Maybe God brought you here today just to hear that, to quit having sideways years where you just sit around and do nothing and entertain yourself all day on Netflix and never actually accomplish the goals and dreams that God put in you. It's time to get going. Even if you've been injured, all the more reason to get going. So look what it says in scripture. It says, because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Now, let me break that down. So he says, hey, I continue to preach. Why did I continue to preach? For the same reason that the psalmist said, I continue to speak. What, what, why is the psalmist speaking? What does this mean? Let me break this down. Let me give you two definitions. First of all, a psalm. What's a psalm? A psalm is a sacred song or hymn sung or recited. So he says, the reason the psalmist spoke 
was because that's what they do. They, they recite psalms. That's what they do. They, they, they write hymns and they recite them. And so I don't know if you knew this, but in Jewish culture, they, they have all these recitations. They, they, have all the, they, they literally, in fact, kids that grew up, in a strict, grew up in a strict Jewish culture have major chunks of the Torah memorized. And if you ask them, they'll just quote the whole thing to you. It's amazing. It's like, wow. And so they, they just, they know the truth. They have the truth in them. We can learn from that, by the way. Wouldn't it be great if our kids, when they take a big hit, they had truth in them that just came out of their mouth right when they need it? Wouldn't that be great? We forget the power of scripture memorization. It's a powerful thing. And so is a psalm is a sacred song or a hymn sung or recited. So what's the psalmist? The author or the composer of that psalm, right? So what it's saying is if you write psalms, no matter what you're going through, keep writing them. Now, what you're going through will probably come out in your writing like it did with David. When he wrote some of the psalms are kind of funny to read. He's like, dear God, smite my enemies. You know, <laughs> I love that one. You're like, oh, wow, there's this praise to God. Oh, God, I praise you. Kill him for me. Thank you, God. Please do that. I love that, though, his honesty. He would be like, kill my enemy, string him up, rip out their teeth. And he goes, oh, no, whatever. I guess you're a God of love, so love him by the end. You know, so like, it's like you see his heart turn towards them by the end of the Psalms. But I love his honesty. But you know what he does? He keeps writing. Because you know what? Writers write. Preachers preach. See, this is, this is where I'm trying to go with this. Whatever your identity is in Christ, whoever God made you to be, whatever God made you to do, keep doing even if you take a hit. That's what I'm trying to encourage you to do. And so he says, I believe God, so I kept writing psalms, right? I believe God, Paul said, so I kept preaching, right? So this may be you. I believed in God, so I stayed in school. I believed in God, so I stayed married. I believed in God, so I made more sales calls even after I lost the big one. I believed in God, so I still parent my kids with passion, even though they have hurt me or disappointed me or really screwed up. I believed in God, so I put myself out there again as a single person. I believed in God, so I will get back in the game of life. What I'm trying to say is whatever it is you do, do it. Don't let your injury stop you from doing what you do. I love it when I see players, you know, get really, get hit hard and they pop up. And what do they do? They run back to the huddle. But you notice why the, why the wide receiver who takes a massive hitter gets crunched, right? He's running back to the huddle. He's running like this. He's like... He's like, he's basically saying, I, I, I feel that it hurt, but I'm not leaving the huddle and I want to go on the next play. And then, the, and then when you see him run, just a few seconds later, they run like they, they aren't hurt. So they're hobbling up to the huddle. Then when they break huddle, they run with full stride. So they apparently are running while in pain. They're running while injured. They continue to do what they do. Runners run, fighters fight, salespeople sell, preachers preach. Models model. <laughs> so whatever it is that you do, keep doing it. Whatever God has called you to do with your life, you got to keep doing it. You see, the problem is we start to stop as soon as you go through something. Oh, I just can't go on. I just can't make a single sales call anymore because my boss got on me. Oh, I just, I, I can't be nice anymore at the door as a greeter because I'm having a tough day. You should never bring your emotions to work. This is where you check out of those and say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to choose by faith to be the person I know God called me. No matter what someone said to me, no matter what someone did to me. I mean, otherwise we're always vulnerable to someone cutting us off on the way to work. We're always vulnerable to stopping whatever it is we do because someone says something bad to us. I'm telling you, you've got to quit letting your emotions rule your life and do what you do regardless of how you you feel. Do it anyways. You got to learn to do it anyways. And so take action. Number two, take action immediately. Take action immediately. Because when you take a hit, the answer is not to sit and sulk. The answer is not to sit in pain. It's to do something on the spot. One year ago to this weekend, 
South Texas took a major hit. And Church Unlimited rose to the occasion and took action. Check this out. My wife Courtney had, has received a job offer from Church Unlimited. We prayed about it and we, we decided, you know, this is where we need to be. Arrived in Corpus on August 20th and then Hurricane Harvey started doing its thing. It escalated quickly and became a Category 3. I said, Courtney, if this becomes Category 4, we're leaving. I got a, um, a news release that said we need all boats and RVs out of Rockport and Port Aransas by 4 o'clock and I knew right then and there this was getting serious you know you started seeing more people around here just gather around on their phones and and everybody was worried but when it became a category four that is when i made the decision we gotta go Coming into Rockport, I was like, man, there's stuff everywhere. Houses are just completely destroyed and everything was where it wasn't supposed to be. And it was just, it was a mess. So when we got to Rockport, we started by cleaning up the roads just to allow other organizations to come in. And they just started showing up. Once we got that cleaned up, we had buses of people coming in to help. We fed every day hot meals. We had supplies, tons of water, tons, anything you can think of, we had there. And we not only did that, but we actually went out into the community. When I walked into the main campus of Church Unlimited, I was in awe. The way that everybody was moving, it was just like a bunch of army ants just working and loading and carrying. And, and I felt so proud as you just stood back and just watched that when, you know, we say we are the church, that was it. And at the end of John chapter 13, it talks about a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And through your love, they'll see that you're a disciple of me. During that time, Church Unlimited just did an excellent job of just loving everybody. So even after all the organizations left, we as a church, we set up tents to have temporary church, to have people still gather and to still come get prayed over. And you know, we had um, Christmas service out there. We had Easter service out there. We still try to be part of the community. We still are part of the community. Uh, meeting a family, Leanne Fox and I, and my life group, we got to provide Christmas with uh, two families because we knew they're gonna spend every single dime that they have just to live. So what can we do? Um, Leanna said, hey, I have some Christmas trees. Who do you think we can give them to? I said, I got a girlfriend. The life group got together, Leanne and I got together, and we got to go to these um, families' house. I hope everybody got something out of serving Rockport. I know that I did. Through Hurricane Harvey, our Church Unlimited Rockport location was severely damaged. Roof was torn off a large part of it. You know, walls were shaken, windows were broken. It was beyond repair. And so what we've done is we've demolished the whole building so it's just bare ground out there. I think God's making all things new uh, by giving us the opportunity to open a new Rockport Fulton Church location just to show them that through everything, through the storm, that God's still there with them and so is Church Unlimited. You know, we went into immediate action as a church, and <clears throat> I don't need to tell you because so many of you were a part of it, 
but it was really powerful to see over 3,500 volunteers uh, that we know of just went to Rockport alone. That's not even including all the other things that we were a part of. But 3,500 people went through over 700 homes and just helped them build their homes back, get, get, the, get the trees off of their yards, get the trees off of their houses, help them regain some stability back in their homes, bring them support, and we were able to do that just in two weeks. Well, we've continued to serve out there. That, that hasn't stopped. In fact, uh, the first month alone, we were so busy helping other people that we really didn't know what to do about our own building. But I just really sense God telling me, forget the building. It's about the people. It's about serving others. And so don't worry about your stuff. Don't worry about the damage you guys have. You need to worry about the damage other people have. And in doing that, God began to bless us. In fact, at one point, we didn't know what we were going to do, and I was really at a tipping point trying to figure out, do we even rebuild the Rockport building? Is there, is there going to be enough people in this city for a church? I mean, we were really asking that question. And, uh, and, and then the expense was going to be huge. And uh, I was like, Lord, I just need to hear from you. I'm in prayer time when I get a phone call on my cell phone from a guy I barely know. I've, I know him better now, but I didn't know him that well at the time. I get a phone call from a guy named Ed Newton. Ed is the pastor of uh, Community Bible Church in San Antonio. And uh, he says, hey, man, I just heard about what you guys are doing, and it's incredible. We want to get in on it. We want to, you know, send some people down. And, you know, we've already been involved, and, you know, you don't realize it, Pastor, we're already doing stuff. And I was like, oh, no, I'm very involved. I'm very aware because we've had trucks received from your church to, to help. So I just thanked him. But then he said, no, but I want to come see you. I was like, great. So I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, just, I just want to come see you. I want to bring you something. I was like, okay. He comes down, and he hands us a check. Um, a couple days later, and I said, oh, I mean, this will really help the city of Rockport. And he stops and he goes, no, this isn't for the city of Rockport. This is for you to... This is for you because you guys have been faithful in the city helping the people, so we want to help you rebuild your church. And that was my answer that I knew. Okay, God, we're supposed to rebuild. So in... In line with my next point, number three, get back in the game for the benefit of others. You don't get up after a big hit because you want to help yourself. Honestly, many times that's not enough motivation for us to change. We get up and change and do what's necessary after the big hit for the benefit of others. Others. Look what the Apostle Paul said. He said, We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. Paul was saying, This isn't about me. This isn't about our team. This is about you. Paul said, Basically, the reason I keep getting up after getting hit, after being beaten, after being you know, thrown in jail, after being falsely accused, after being betrayed over and over again, after being ran out of town, why do I keep going? For you. That's why. And so I want to challenge you to ask this question, who will I get back in the game for? See, one of the things that motivates these NFL guys when they get injured or these college players who get injured, they have family in the stands. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I know my, my little boy or little girl just saw their daddy get injured, but now they're going to see their daddy get up. See, your kids may have saw you fall into something that really injured you, but now they need to see how you get up. And so God wants you to become an overcomer just so, stay with me, stay with me, just so that your kids learn how to be an overcomer. Men, you need to overcome lust. You know why? So your boys know how, by watching their dad. The issue you have in your marriage, you need to learn to get that together. You know why? Because your kids one day are going to be married, and they need to learn what healthy marriages look like by watching you. 
They need to know what it looks like when you lose a job, how you go get another job or start your own company. Why? Because I saw my mom and dad go through it and they came out victorious. And so I know whatever I'm facing, I can overcome it too. You see, when you do it for the benefit of others, it inspires you to get going. It's a game changer. So please write down a few names of someone that you want to make a change for. I will get back in the game for and just list off some people that you care for, that you love. You may say, I'm going to go back to 12-step for my spouse. I'm going to go to counseling for my friend who's asked me to do that. I'm going to go back to church for my mom. I'm going to quit smoking for my grandkids. I'm going to do fill in the blank and for who. Oftentimes the reason we need isn't a reason, it's a person. And that keeps us going. By the way, next week we're going to continue in the series. Don't miss next week's message. It may surprise you. It's called Never Fight Fair. Be sure to be here next week. We're going to teach you not to fight fair, to fight unfair, to fight with advantage. And so don't miss next week's message. Never fight fair. It goes on to say in verse 16, it says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Oh, I love that line. Would you please underline that? Whatever you're facing right now, it's small and won't last long. Does that encourage you? Like, oh, what I'm trying to tell you is that your problems have an expiration date, but the character you develop through them, you get to take with you. Isn't that great? So your problems will one day end, but the character you develop through those problems, you'll continue with. It's great to know that. It says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Number four, let God renew you through his Holy Spirit. Guys, I got great news for you. God's not through with you. He's not done. He has great things for you to do. He is simply not finished with you. Now, I want to tell you about a story from my sports career, which is long and illustrious, let me tell you. I peaked in football in fourth grade. Well, you laugh, but it was an amazing year for me. I was in Little League football. This is all true. I'm going to tell you next. This is all the truth. I had to call my dad to get permission to tell this story, and you'll know why in just a moment. So I'm in fourth grade. I'm playing for the Friendswood Chiefs, right? This is our little, little league football team that I'm on, and we're playing all these different teams. And I remember we, you know, we're a good team, and we were considered contenders for our little fourth grade division, you know, and we were pretty good. But everyone kept talking about this one team that we were about to play that was supposed to be really, really good. And they kept talking about this one player. All our coaches knew who this kid was. I was like, wow, who is this guy, right? I mean, he became like a little fourth grade legend. We're like, who is this guy? I mean, he must be amazing. They're like, I'm telling you, this kid's tough. You, you got to get ready. And so we would do these hitting drills and they would say to us, get ready because in two weeks we're, we're playing this one team. And then the week four, we're ready. Next week we're playing this one team. And then the week of it was like, okay, we're playing this one team. And they never would tell anyone like where he was positioned because this kid was so good. They moved him around. He's like little JJ Watt. They put him on the end. They put him, you know, as a tackle. They put him as a linebacker. They just moved him around where they want, wherever they wanted him. And they would place him wherever they thought the weakness was. And then he would just go right through the line and stop the play. So this kid single-handedly was winning games for their, whole, for their team. So he's just apparently amazing. Well, so the game, game day, and lo and behold, the kid lined up at the weak point in our team <laughs> right in front of me. So I get up there, and I am an offensive tackle. I don't know what about this body says I should be an offensive tackle, but for some reason, that's the position they gave me. They should tell you how weak our whole team was. If I was the big guy you put on the line, I mean, that, 
That's really a sad sign. So I remember lined up in front of this guy, and, you know, I just I heard about him. I didn't know anything about him. And, you know, in fourth grade, you're not really paying much attention anyways. And so I, I remember lining up in the very first play of the game. This kid plowed over me so hard I began to cry. I mean, he hit me that hard. I was on the ground like, what happened? Well, I don't know what happened. I mean, it was like, it hit. I mean, he, he hit me so hard I couldn't believe it, right? Then the next play, and he went right over me and stopped the quarterback. I mean, he practically jumped over me to tackle the quarterback. It was this guy's maniac. So the next play, same thing happens again. He goes right between me and my friend, you know, our other offensive lineman, goes right through us and tackles the quarterback again. Two plays in a row. Third play, same thing. Now, you know, the series over. I, I, apparently, I go off the field, you know, and I, they just keep trying to, you know, put me in on this guy, and nothing's working. They actually pull him. At one point, the coach pulls me off the field, and I'm thinking, okay, finally, I'm done. I'm, I'm like crying. I'm getting beat up here. This is unbelievable. I didn't know someone could hit this hard. You know, I'm like, I'm, so at this point, I'm like, I'm a little kid. Please, someone recognize I'm a little kid. What are you doing to me? You know? So I'm off the field. I thought that the coach pulled me off the field. I was wrong. My dad had come out of the stands. <laughs> this is all your story. He come out of the stands and he says, Billy, Billy. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm crying. I mean, I'm in pain. I mean, I'm getting beat up, you know. He's like, get over here. I was like, okay. So the, he told the coach, bring Billy over to me. So I, I go and I'm thinking he's going to be, oh, I'm so sorry. You're going to get some ice cream later. Oh, no, none of that. <laughs> he grabs my mask, pulls me and he goes, listen to me. He goes, that kid is not tougher than you. You need to hit him as hard as you blanking can. And he didn't say blanking. <laughs> this is my father, Deacon from First Baptist Church. <laughs> He's trying to explain the situation. <laughs> okay. So he grabs my mask. You're going to hit him as hard as you blanking can. You understand me? <laughs> and you keep hitting him until you either hear a whistle blow or they pull you off him. Do you understand me, son? You are not going to fall down. You're going to stand up and you're going to hit him. <laughs> okay, okay. I go back in the play. And I'm so proud of this because this is all true. I stopped this kid, me and my buddy, took two of us. This guy was a monster. <laughs> we stopped him all game long. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm be honest with you. In fact, it was so cool. I was so proud, by the way, because literally the paper the next week, they had a little, little league section. I was in the little league section. No lie. Hey, give me my moment, okay? This is, this is when I peaked. All right, just give me my moment. So me and my buddy were listed. They called us the Bruise Brothers. I was so proud. I mean, I, this is amazing, right? Well, okay. No, no, hold on. It, it gets better. So I'm thinking, this is my moment. I can't wait to see my name in the paper. It's going to be great. But then it, it, when it spelled our name, someone spelled it wrong. And it said, Billy Cornelisu. <laughs> this is like my one moment. Could you give me my moment? Oh, no. No, I didn't get that moment. So, But you and I learned, I learned that the best thing that you can do when you take an incredibly hard hit is to get pulled aside by your father. And here's what I learned. My father knew there was more in me than I thought I had. My father knew that I could take a hit. In fact, my father has now taught me I can give a hit. See, the truth is, is that you got to let God pull you aside and recognize he will let you know, no, you have weight. Don't you dare sit here and cry. You get up again because you have more in you. And here's the great thing about this. I have relied upon that story growing up so many times to think, no, I, I've been hit way harder than this. 
I can handle this. And then and when I was in high school and I went through some things, it's like, oh, I, I remember that hit. I, I'll be fine. This is not a problem at all. And in college, I went through some stuff and I remember things in high school where I got hit and I got back up again. And I remember in, in, when, when I started the first church we started in Dallas that failed. It did not go well. And I had to leave that church. And that was a major hit to my self-esteem. And I thought, man, maybe I'm not called to preach. And maybe God doesn't have anything in me that's great. And I had to rely upon the fact that, no, 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 I remember some hits I've taken. And God gave me the strength and the courage to try again and start one more church in little old Corpus Christi. And it's done okay. Why? Because I rely upon what my father told me about myself. That I have more in me. And here's the great thing. When you recognize you can take a hit when the enemy hits you, then eventually you realize you can give a hit. Now I'm like, you know what? You bring it on, devil, because I know what I got inside me because greater is he that's in me and he's in the world. You can hit me all you want because I know I'm stronger than you. I know I can take this. And so I want to challenge you today to understand, number five, let your pain focus you. Let your pain focus you. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Let your pain and your difficulty focus you like nothing else. Become a laser beam. Say, I'm going to focus on what God has called me to do. Because when you take a hard hit, it helps you get up and focus on what matters most. Some of you have been taking a hit. God's trying to tell you right now, your heavenly father is trying to pull you aside and pull you in and say, get your blanket butt up. Because I'm not done with you. I got some great news for you. It's great that you can believe in God, but what's really crazy is that God believes in you. God still believes in you. You're not done. Oh, but you don't know the pain I've gone through. Quit focusing on what happened to you yesterday or yesteryear. It's quit, writing, quit rehashing the story of what you've been through and start writing a new story about who you're becoming and where you're going and talking about your future. Quit focusing on what happened and start focusing on what you can do. God has a great future for you. We pray with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. We take a moment today. My prayer today is if you've taken a hit, that you would know your heavenly father is pulling you aside to say, I love you. I believe in you. You have more in you. Wipe your tears. Get up and get back in the game. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wow, isn't that crazy? If we'll just accept what Christ has done for us, Christ died on the cross for you and me. For the wage of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That means heaven. What we've earned for our sin is, is, is eternal life without God. We've earned hell. But Jesus says, through me, you get heaven. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin. And you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Change me from within. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe your prayer today is, you know, maybe you're already a Christ follower, but maybe your prayer today is to say, God, forgive me. I have let myself stay out of the game too long. I got injured. I got hurt. And I've let that become my excuse for not doing what you called me to do. But today, Lord, I hear you. I know you've pulled me alongside the fence, alongside the game. You grabbed my helmet, pulled me close, and told me, get up again. You've got more in you. 
And Lord, I will get back in the game. If that's you today, lift your hand high and say, God, I'm going to get back at it. I'm not going to stay injured. I'm not going to be a victim any longer. I'm going to get back in the game. Thank you, Lord. You're not done with me. God is not through with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you, God, that the Apostle Paul can be that hurt, that injured, over and over and over again, and yet still write half of the New Testament. Then, Lord, what can you do with us? Thank you, God. You are not through with us. We have a bright future in Christ. We thank you for that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? Can we just give God a hand right now for his goodness in our lives? Praise God.